0: The Bears are 2-0 in preseason. And I don't want to spend too much time going back and talking about Thursday because there's a lot of things in front of us. But I will tell you that those people on the ESPN broadcast, all oh, those haters had all their cliff notes ready just to destroy the Bears. And you know what? Oh, I'm sorry, Dan Orlovsky. It didn't go your way because the Bears were out there crushing it. Oh, you can make your little quips about Justin Fields was running for his life and blah, blah, blah. The thing is, this Bears team's been looking pretty crisp, pretty sharp in preseason. But you know what? We are going to have a full house tonight to talk about all this and to look forward for the Bears 2022 season. So Sammy, let's go ahead and start the show. Turn Turn up your volume. volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Sick Podcast Podcast. with Adam Ray. Fields, making magic happen. Touchdown. The sickest Chicago Bears and fantasy football podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means? It is time for Take It to the Rank. And let's go ahead and bring in our co-host for the evening. Uh, she's been crushing it. And she's back in Chicago. Coming Man, to Pali. Look- Of the Draft Network is
2: joining us from Chicago. How are you? Uh, I'm doing wonderfully and very, very glad to be back in my own bed, in my own apartment, looking at this gorgeous view.
0: (laughs) And uh, you made your your flight, obviously. That was worrying me. me. You were like, oh, I got to leave in 20 minutes for the airport. And you still had another podcast to do. And by the way, a, a quick reminder to everybody, there is a daily podcast on the Draft Network featuring Carmen. How can people find that?
2: Uh, it's on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast It's called TDN Daily Please like, rate, and subscribe You would be doing me a huge favor if you do so So please do that
0: <laughs> Yeah, do us a solid if you if you could And it's also, it, by, you know by As a matter of fact, uh, it's also really good So you'll go out there, you'll learn something Listen to this podcast Daily podcasts are the way to go Even though we do this twice a week But you know, that's still the daily podcast Get all your information And there you go I got to rem- oh, also a reminder, speaking of podcast, the, the Sick Podcast appears on AM 1530 WCKG, which is the Chicago home of the Sick Podcast. You can hear us every Friday afternoon, 2 p.m. Central. Following us, it's the No Name Pod with Olin Krutz, Jason McKee, a cover two of Bears coverage like no other. So make sure you're liking and subscribing to all those available podcasts. in Carmen, um, I'm excited. Like, normally, like, I'm, I'm always excited. I always look forward to the show. But joining us tonight is we have a former national champion, a former, I think a former all-worldly. Like, he was part yes. of the the, uh, the uh, Amsterdam Admirals. He was, a, he was a member. I know he played for the Montreal Alouettes, a team that I love because they used to have a lot of former Cal State Fullerton guys. And, uh, oh, by the way, he's the son of the greatest football player who ever lived. So, uh, without further ado, let's just bring him on. Jared Payton's with us. We're very excited. <laughs> that part of it. But the you, yeah, national champion. U. I forgot, a national champion. Did I not say national champion? You did. I said
1: national champion. Okay. Yeah, you did. You did. I and, was. yes, I was all NFL. All NFL all Europe, NFL right? NFL Europe. Yeah, I was, man. So, I, I I got a chance to tote the rock a little bit. Carm, Adam, what's going on? Both of you, man. shytown town representing Dude, you know I said it in the tweet last night. You know it's gonna be fire if we're gonna sit yeah. here and talk bears right now.
2: Let's go. Yeah. Wait, I know. think I'm just putting something together. Were you part of that championship team at Miami that was coached by Erickson? Dennis Erickson?
1: Nah, I was uh oh, okay. it was no. Nah, so we had went from Butch Davis to Larry Coker. We won it in two thousand and one. So um, okay. you know, just the Carm, just the greatest college football team of all time. I mean, I yeah. I I'm sorry, sorry. Know, like, adam, adam, come on man adam I'm you thinking, know. Now i'm
0: digging is that sean taylor right
1: yes sean so taylor ed that. reed just think about the yeah. first round draft picks uh yeah. brian mckinney uh willis mcgahee frank gore uh jeremy shockey uh yeah. kellen winslow jr i mean dude it was Najee davenport
2: I mean, oh my keep god going. Yeah. vince
1: oh vince woolfork I mean, we can keep going. Phillip Buchanan, we had a bunch of first-round picks. And I know Alabama and some of those other schools, that USC team, especially the one that lost against Texas, you can put all those together. I just don't know if there's a a better group of talent that not only performed in college football but also went to the pros and dominated at the position. Andre Johnson, let's not forget about him. I I
0: think there's a lot of merit there's a lot of merit to that because yeah. as I think of and I I think that people dismiss Matt Leinart for how good of a college quarterback he was, but he was legitimately an excellent quarterback and of course Reggie Bush and Lendale White. But defensively, I think that's where you guys have it for
1: sure. Yeah. Sean yeah, Taylor least. and Ed Reed. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah <laughs> that's yeah. Much work. It's been four D- Wolf- DJ Williams, <laughs> DJ Williams, and Jonathan Vilma to playing linebacker. Come on. I forgot but, Vilma wow. was
0: on that team too. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. why did I even okay? I tried to <laughs> I tried to stand up for my friends. I I would consider myself a friend of Reggie Bush, so I gotta at least put up a little bit of a roadblock, but I'm like, yeah, that's that's kind of tough to be. That's yeah, that's tough to be. But how are you doing? So how how has everything been going with you? I know that um You know, I wanted to ask, so I know that Jim McMahon had his birthday the other day, and you, I always love when you call him Uncle Jim and everything like that. Do you really recall, because you were born in what, 19, you're an 80s baby, Baby. so you were born in 1980, do you really remember the 85 team, like everything that was going on with that?
1: No, nah, I don't remember <laughs> the whole 85 team, but I do remember bits and pieces. I just remember how crazy Chicago was at that time. Like, you know, I've been here now being older and going through, the, you know, the championships of the Bulls and the six championships and some of uh, the, the Stanley Cup championships for the Blackhawks. And I've seen a lot, man, with the World Series in 16. I was here for the White Sox. I was in Miami at the time with the White Sox, but still – there's people in this town talk about 85, (laughs) like it's something totally, totally different. And the vibe was totally different because this is a Bears town. You guys know it. And, you know, you could be split with baseball teams, Uh, Mm. basketball and Jordan. I, even though he's the goat, I get it. But when it comes here, it's about orange and blue, man. And we bleed it here in Chicago. So to, to be a part of that, I, I remember bits and pieces, but Man, my dad was also bigger than life at that time. So, yeah. like, for us, we were stuck in the house a lot because we couldn't really <laughs> go anywhere. We couldn't go to eat. We couldn't go, like, anywhere because he literally was, like, getting mobbed at the at the mall, at Woodfield Mall. We'd walk in, and there'd be a 100 people around him, and he wouldn't be able to move. And I just remember those moments. But I do have to tell you something about Uncle Jim McMahon. Mm-hmm. If you would have told me when my dad passed in 99 that – I would have all these uncles that would look after me. And the ones that have been so close are my dad's best friend, who is Matsui. Um, right. he My dad basically left him in charge of, you know, his image and likeness and the estate. Like those two, their relationship. We talk about Brian's song. Um, there needs to be a movie made of my dad and Matsui because their relationship, they were truly best friends. And then you would have told me that Jim McMahon would have been one of those people that would Look after me. Call me. Text me. Direct message me. I would have told you the punky QB. You're crazy, dude. <laughs> that dude's crazy. There's no way. I talk to Jim at least once a month when he's here. No. We go out to yeah. We go we go out to to lunch, and he's the one that initiates it. Like, bro, you you didn't pick up my phone call. Like, yo, we <laughs> get Matt. We're going we're going to lunch, and so I'm just very very grateful to have all these these uncles who have looked after me and um, especially Jim and Matt Sui, those guys not only are uncles, but they've also taught me a lot of life lessons and they're always there for me when I need them.
0: I love that. And that's always what you want to think when you are watching it as a fan from afar, you know, you want to, you want to, you want that to, you, you want that to happen. You know, you were like, I hope they're really close. And so that makes me very happy. And it's funny, you know, you, you talk about how big of a, a town Chicago is. And I know that the 2016 celebration was huge. The bears celebration is going to make that Cubs parade look like, I don't know, collective soul at the yeah. sandwich festival <laughs> by comparison, because it's going to be so insane. And it's, it's why people still talk about 85 and, you know, and I'll use my dad as an example who passed away a couple of years after yours. My dad was born in 1927. So he saw, every, he saw every major Bears player who ever lived up until that point. And, you know, he could have been a, a Gale Sayers person, a uh, Red Gray, or whatever. It was always your dad. It was always your dad. And my dad was an adult. Like, he was an adult male in the 70s, you know, in the 80s. Like, he was, he was on in his years. But it was Walter Payton. Oh, no dispute. And when I was a kid and i tried try to be a smart guy, and I'd be like, I kind of like Neil Anderson. He'd be like, "Go to your room, go to your room right <laughs> now." No disrespect to Neil Anderson, who I still love, but uh, it's always Walter Payton. And I think that that you're absolutely right. Everybody loves the Chicago Bears. How do you feel about the team right now? What do you feel about the direction the team is moving in? What have you
1: seen through the first two uh, two weeks of the preseason? Well, you know, I've it's it's a it's kind of a mixed bag here, right? Because I'm I'm different than I think most fans uh, in how they were thinking. I I was one that was preaching change from the last regime to this regime. So for me, when I was hoping for change, I knew that there was going to probably be some bumps in the road. And the way that this organization and this roster was constructed, the way that Ryan Pace left it, uh, I knew that whoever was coming in was going to have some issues and it was going to take some time to be able to rebuild. I know Bears fans – we all want to win right now. And it's always about like, okay, let's 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 get this thing. We got pieces here. And it's always been really a strong defense. And then next thing you know, trying to find pieces on the offensive side of the ball. But for me coming into this season, once Poles was hired, once Everflus was hired, I started doing my digging on both guys to people around the league that I know, people that coached with them, that played for them, and had those conversations and try to figure out who both of these men were. And everything that I heard was positive. And so when everything, the season kind of was getting underway and they were going through OTAs, I was open for change. And I'm open for long-term success. Uh, I think in Chicago, one thing that I've always seen with Bears fans is that we always want to take that masking tape or duct tape and put it over these these holes and hopefully that we can kind of patch it together. I'm tired of that, man. I'm tired of that. I, I, I want – I want to break this thing down and build it all the way back up and build it into something that it should be. And what it should be is when we talk about being one of the founding franchises of the NFL, we should be in that conversation every single year, if not winning a championship, but being in that discussion of being in the postseason in the playoffs and not just getting knocked off in the first round, talking about actually truly making a run. And so having conversations with Ryan Poles and seeing what he was all about, you know, I do. I, I have this belief that he's going to do it the right way, and just his connection with Kansas City and being there and seeing what he was a part of, he knows what it takes. Um, you know, most of the time I say things like this, and next email they show up on my Twitter feed like five years later and go, "Ah, you didn't know what you were talking about." But <laughs> I really do. I believe. I truly believe in polls that just by looking at this past draft. Um, you know the direction that everybody thought they were going to go in the in with those two picks in the second round, like like oh, it's Justin. They're going to go get a wide receiver for Justin. That's what everybody was thinking, and he went and got two defensive guys that could possibly be super studs. Man, Kyler Gordon could be a stud, and I dude, all I needed to see was first preseason game with Jaquan Brisker, and I'm just like, yo, dude, yo, you did. This is, this is a football player, dude. And now yeah. you look at the, where the Bears on the other side of the ball and that defensive side ball is being constructed, uh, that secondary could be the strength of that defense. and so uh, And with two young guys. So I like the direction where they're going. The only question that I always had was if we're looking at the development of Justin Fields in year two, and everybody is looking at that, that's the first thing that everybody's watching. How does he do that with maybe not having those household names, especially at the skill position? I just, I, it, to me, and, and an offensive line that still has a lot of work to do and the way that it's constructed right now, things could change even with that as well. And we've seen it all during camp that it hasn't been consistent. It is it's moving guys around. It's Devin Jenkins, Larry Borm, like, like trying to figure out what's gonna be the, the kind of the missing pieces. I have a hard time figuring out how to gauge Justin having success in year two without, like, having a bunch of wins. Um, I guess you can break it down and you can look at his mechanics and seeing how he's gotten better there in his game. He truly has. Um, that throw to, uh, to Cole Komet when he was off the, off the play-action boot to be able to flip his hips and throw, like, you see those little things. And I think Luke Getzey is going to be amazing for him. But as of right now, I think it's watching that that development with him and Darnell Moody and also him and Cole Komet. And I think them leaning on the running game is going to be huge in figuring out, can David Montgomery put this team on his back and really give them an opportunity? Because I think play action is one thing that we never really saw in that Matt Nagy era. Could that be something that we see here? And how take advantage of it, even sh- with, hit, with with Justin's ability to get outside the pocket, and I know they hopefully going to run that wide stretch game as well, where those boots can not only turn into passes but also turn into quarterback runs as well, and using what God gave him, and that's the ability to move his feet. So I'm I'm excited not for the wins and losses this season, but into watching the development of some of these young guys that are here on this roster that were recently drafted and just see how they progress. Because to me, if you start seeing it there polls needs more drafts underneath his belt for this thing to truly turn around, because that's how you win championships. You can go and get free agents. You got to be able to build through the draft for long-term success.
2: I think it's really interesting too, because that's something that I've thought as well in that, You're not going to have these household names that he's going to be able to throw to. So how much can he develop? But I think you hit the nail on the head with the running game. And we've talked, Adam and I have talked about that before and how much that can open something up, especially with a guy like Luke Getzey in charge, who is willing to build around that and build to his players' skill sets versus trying to fit them into a system that he's already established. And what do you see out of David Montgomery, I feel like, that's going to – you know, kind of propel this Bears offense, especially when you do have those question marks on the offensive line. That makes things hard car, for running backs. Car, so, car, like, car, car. Carl. I gotta tell you, I'm just glad you brought it up. You
1: just, you brought up one of the issues that I had with that last regime. Why are you, you have guys, if you're a good football coach, you don't just take your system and say, this is the system you gotta fit in it. It yeah. makes no sense whatsoever. No. If you're a good coach, you find what your players do well and you kind of tailor things around them and so the stubbornness of Matt Nagy just always like as soon as you said it I got chills down my arms I like <laughs> I was so I was so upset I I've seen what I've seen out of David Montgomery you guys and I I got to say this about this young man because man b- being a running back in Chicago has to be hard yeah um <laughs> my 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 relationship My relationship with guys that have come in and out since, you know, my dad's retired, uh, even like Matt Forte and I, like we really we, we got closer after he left Chicago. You know what I mean? I don't know if there's that that stigma of because of who my dad is and what he did here that it's hard to live up. But when you look at what a guy like Matt Forte did here in Chicago, man, unbelievable career and could not only do it in the run game, but also catching out of the backfield as well. Like he was a dynamic player. So I, I've always had like different relationships with all the running backs. When I first met David Montgomery at the Bears 100, him and I, he was really, really quiet. And I was thinking to myself, man, maybe this is gonna be one of those situations again. Oh, yeah. and, it's blo- and, it, and it's blossomed into something that's totally different. I've truly watched him as a person first and foremost, grow as a person from being a kid that was shy to now being one of the vocal leaders inside of that Bears locker room at Alice Hall, and then also, to just being vocal about what he wants and what he expects of himself and the high standard that he puts on his game. And, man, there is nothing that you turn on David Montgomery film, if you don't – if the hair doesn't stand up on the back of your neck by watching him run and being tough, not giving up, I mean – that was one of the things last year that was exciting to see for the little bit, the moment of time you got a chance to see him was like, holy cow, this young man gets it, man. And I love the way that he runs that outside zone so patient. Uh, Khalil Herbert's the exact, he's the exact same in that sense as well. I love how patient both guys are, but to me, Dave Montgomery is the bell cow. Like if you want to win, give thirty two the ball and let him spin, and dude, that's where it's going to come off of because then. You're given opportunities now for these defenses to have eight, nine men in the box. And so members, some of those household names that we we're talking about, especially outside on on those receivers, you get a guy like everybody knows Darnell Mooney. We know him. But the other guys that are trying to make names for themselves as well, gives them opportunity to have that one-on-one coverage. And those are the shots that I think that have been lacking in the Bears offense over the, over the time in that last regime that I'm hopefully getting a chance to see because, man, it's... That's what you need. You need a guy that can take the pressure off. David Montgomery, to me, is that guy. That is one
0: of the things that I was, you know, really impressed by when I talked to David Montgomery when I was at Hallis Hall just a few weeks ago. And you talk about the legacy of the of the Bears running backs, with obviously your dad being number one. But you know, it's it's a it's a huge group. You know, I mentioned Neil Anderson. You said Matt Forte. Uh, the Kansas Comet was in there. Red Grange, going on and on. You know, it's funny when I talk about Matt Forte, I always tell the Packers fans, I go, he'd be the best running back in Packers history, but you know, he's maybe one <laughs> top five for us, but whatever. It's neither here nor there. I, I like that. David Montgomery, i mentioned like, Hey, you you know, I, we really appreciate you carrying the torch. And he was like, Oh, I haven't done anything yet. Like, please don't like the, the humbleness of him. The, Cause I, I agree with you. I think he's a great running back already. I think that, you know, a lot, He's had to work. You know, he hasn't had a lot to work with, but I thought that he's pretty much made himself a Bears running back. But he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not not taking it too lightly. So I always appreciate it about that. Appreciate that. I I do.
1: But I also, I also, it's tough because you look at where he's at in his career, right? I mean, yeah. At some point, you're, you're, you got to start thinking about long term and where you're going to go. And nobody's paying running backs anymore, man. I mean, that's just, the nature of the beast. You can go get a guy in the third, fourth round that fits your system. Um, I don't know, though. It's really – it's tough for me because he's one of those guys that's been the heart and soul. And guys that I talk to in that organization, they feed off of his energy. The way that he comes out and he handles his business, his work on the football field, man, like that's hard to duplicate when you don't have it. And so, um, you know, I just – I think the running back room as a whole, um, like – that th- I think they're good. I think they're good at that position. So it's it's funny. There's only one football, so you got to find a way to be able to do this and keep everybody happy. But for me, thirty-two has got to be that guy that's kind of carrying the load for this ball club.
0: You know, do you think about him possibly moving on? Uh, I know one. I think he would be one of those guys because I know Forte was like this, where he would not go to Green Bay. Was Jared Payton like this? Do we, Sammy? <laughs> do we have any evidence? Was Was Jared ever going to go to Green Bay by any chance? Do we have that? Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah. I will. I will read this quote. When I, when I, and I'm talking about you, Jared. When I was released by the <laughs> Titans, the pack called my agent to see if I would come in for a workout for the practice squad. I turned it down because there was no way a Payton was going to be in the back of Green in a Green Bay in a Green
1: Bay jersey. This is why we love you. This is hey, the man. legacy. Legend. Hey, this is can legend. I? Can I tell you? Can I tell you? Um, First of all, that post went crazy, and then I did that thing on Instagram where you get drafted by a team, and it was the Packers, and I was like – I kept saying no, and it ended up – it was a real – it ended up – it's like at like 600,000 views, and Packer fans are still mad at me, like talking trash, saying like like you – like you you shouldn't – we didn't want you anywhere. You're just coming here to be a camp body. Can I just say this, and I'm going to say it on your podcast because I've been waiting to say this to people. Ooh. for those for those people that don't know my story like you need to understand my story i did not start playing football till my junior year in high school so i knew nothing about the game didn't know yes my dad was walter payton i knew nothing about the game so it wasn't like oh dad let's sit and watch monday night football i knew nothing when i put on the helmet for the first time the that my fresh my, my junior year at one game we were doing a, a like a two-minute drill, we're going down, clock is running, we're trying to get down and score a touchdown. And I remember the clock hitting zeros because I played soccer. Normally, that the whistle would blow and it would be over. And I thought that the game was over, and I still had to play to throw the ball. And I turned around, and two dudes came and hit me and dragged me down to the ground. I knew nothing, Adam. I knew nothing about the game, okay? So for all these people that are talking about, you know, Packer fans that are coming on to my story saying – well, you didn't do half what your dad would do, you were garbage, this and that. I got 55 offers playing two years, not knowing the game. Okay, I if you didn't know, do your homework, I would have made I would have made more than my dad ever made playing soccer if you did if people don't know who I was at soccer. Like do your homework first before you creep on to my stories and all this other stuff, talking all this trash. I just had to say that. Shout out to all my Bears fans out there. I love you guys.
2: I was gonna say you got an entire city though ready to yeah. throw hands. Yeah. You hands. Guys like, know. Ready to throw hands. much bigger than Green Bay. Are we kidding? And, and, and it yeah. was it was the you know what
1: the opportunity was is to go to canada man like montreal yeah. had my rights and i had no clue about the cfl at all either and if i could do it all over again honestly i would go straight to the cfl from from miami because i had so much fun in montreal and toronto playing in the cfl um to all my people up in canada that i still talk to that i that still embrace me i appreciate them so much man like loonies and toonies up there spending my money. Like it was, I, I, it was like, it just was the greatest time of my life. And so, but you know, getting a chance to play the the 14 games that I did with Titans going over to NFL Europe, listen, football took me all over the world. So I'm very, very blessed for for every, for every opportunity. And I said that at the end of the post, like I'm grateful for the phone call. It just, Mm -hmm. for me at that time, there's no way that I could be sitting here at 41 and people coming up to me here in Chicago and I'm entrenched in Chicago sports being like, so what was it like playing for the Packers? I'd be like, yeah. dude, no. No, I no. can't do it. Nah. We barely let we barely Sorry. let Jim
0: get away with it. So yeah, that's <laughs>
2: It's a good story to be able to say, yeah, no, I wasn't. Because like those images would have lasted forever too. The wow. word, like the last name Peyton in a green and gold jersey. You were so right. Mm-hmm. There was no way that that could have
1: happened. And, and let me just it's tell smart. you this real quick because my dad was, I, I do remember this because Adam was asking me about remembering 85. I do. Mm-hmm. The one thing I do remember is how intense my dad was around the house when it was Packer week. Like yeah. he didn't talk a lot. He was super focused. He was lasered in. And, like, we'd be eating dinner and no one would be talking because he would be so – and that's where a lot of my anger for the Packers came from because it, it, that week it just made my house super quiet because my dad knew what that meant to Chicago Bears fans. He knew what it meant to the city, man. So he never wanted to be on that losing end. And so he always wanted to make sure that it if, if, – don't matter how the season was going, that he made a statement in that Packer game.
0: Yeah, and the the kids will never know these kids running around in their Aaron Rodgers jerseys. You don't know who Charles Martin is. That the most disrespectful play in NFL history, and that Packers team was garbage in the '80s. Like I can't, I just, I want them to go back to the '80s. And I remember, like, I remember my dad would always say stuff like, "We didn't even care about the Packers in the '80s. It's all about Washington, and it's was about Frisco and." My dad, my dad, still he hated Bill Walsh so much for the Guy McIntyre thing. He's like, "That's where Ditka got the idea about putting Perry in the in the backfield, and it started a chain of events." It's like, "Okay, Dad, calm down. We don't need to talk about this." You won the Super Bowl. Let's. But it, it just funny the away. All that stuff spirals. So it it is it is ingrained though. And I and again, you know, the Packers would have tried to hand you a thirty four jersey. They would have oh. done, like, you know, like, oh. their dumb little franchise would have done that. And it's, it's, it's disrespectful. And I, listen, I, but again, you know, it's funny because I look at your career and I look at the thing in Miami. Like, obviously, you went to a school that had a crowded running back room. We talked about it before with, with, uh, Davenport, with Frank Gore, a lot of great players. You know, you could have gone, you could have gone, you could have played at North Carolina or whatever and done, go on to Illinois, but whatever, Northwestern. But you also, like, it's a good career, like a like not not trying to butter you up. Like it's a pretty good career. You you won a college national championship. You got to play in NFL Europe, which is awesome. You got to go to Canada. I am a Cal State Fullerton alumni. I met a guy named Mike Pringle, who was a yes. A, a, I believe he played for the Alouettes too. Yeah. And he was taught. He was telling us stories. We're at a basketball game. He's telling us stories. I'm like, God, the Canadian football league sounds awesome. So
1: I mean like as soon as you got off the field after like post game there was like there was coolers of molson ice on ice man so it was like oh it, it was just totally totally different and it, i just i had a, a great time do you you said something you said something disrespectful and it had brought something to my to my attention and i want to throw this to you guys real quick cuz i know you're probably going to ask me man roquan smith was talking about that uh disrespect man when it came to uh contract negotiations. What were your two thoughts about how this whole
2: thing kind of played itself out to where we are right now? I mean, I think, and you would know better than me because you've been in these buildings as a player. I've been in these buildings as, you know, someone that's a staffer, but I mean, when these negotiations are going through, I think there is an understanding there is a level of understanding that like this is business, but then there's also football and the, obligation that Roquan Smith I don't want to say obligation but like the love that he has for his teammates kind of kept him going because he was from all the reports he was still in the building he was still very engaged he was helping out the rest of his teammates he had no you know thoughts of even deserting them and was able to compartmentalize okay that's business I'm going to take care of this but I'm not going to let that affect my relationships within this building so like In in a weird way, because I've I've been through this or I've seen this from other players as they're going through negotiations for extensions and stuff like that. When I was with the Bucks, in that like they act pretty normal like in the building, like within the bubble of the of Hallis Hall, like you don't really feel like the weight of what maybe the media decides to put on it or you know the constant like dialogue that they have on it because you're just focused on doing your job and you're still focused on that. And for everything that we heard. Roquan was still very much dialed into learning the new playbook, learning the new defense, getting to know his, you know, the teammates, his coaches, all that kind of stuff. And maybe it was kind of blown a little bit up more in the media, but like him saying, like being very transparent, which is I think where it comes into play that he doesn't have an agent because there's, if you have an agent, you have an agent in your ear going, don't say that. Um, He did not have that, but I appreciated the transparency. But at the same time, I feel like, there was maybe, maybe it just wasn't as big of a deal inside Hallis. I don't know if I'm completely wrong or like the experience that I've had is, is different than that. But I mean, I think these guys are professionals and they know how to conduct themselves as such too.
0: Yeah. I think too, that part of re- part of the reason you have an agent is that they have the, they have the awkward conversations that the teams have to have that you don't want to be privy to. You want somebody in your ear being like, they love you, but you know, we're working on it. It's business he's doing it face to face. So then, you know, you have to hear, it's like going to a parent teacher conference, like your teacher, (laughs) you're the student, (laughs) you know what? Yeah. You're the student. You're like, God, I didn't realize I was that big of a, like I didn't realize I was doing all these things wrong, but no, when it's just your parents, they come on the, you're doing great. One thing you might want to work on is, you know, not acting up in class or whatever it is. Roquan had to hear everything. And I think that's, that's where the, that's where it sounds disrespectful. Because when you hear it from people, and I have friends who played baseball who went through arbitrary or arbitration hearings, and they're like, the things the teams would say about you. You're like, I thought I was pretty good. I was an all star. And they were talking to me like I was a 200 hitter. Like it's, it is something different. But hopefully, um, you know, I, I just hope that they can put it all behind them. What do you, what do you think though? Do you think, <laughs> Jared, let me ask, like, do you think this is something where it's like, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to prove myself? I'm going to have the, the season of my career. Or do you think that he has a, a
1: year where ah, you're like, gosh, is he even trying? Um, his injury risk I, worth it too? Yeah, yeah. I, I I think it's I think it's tough because I've always been on the side of, of the players and understanding 100%. where where they where they're coming from because I mean he's he wants to be extended and rightfully so. I mean, it's rare, especially when you're in the NFL, regardless of what team you're on, to say that you are arguably, if not the best player on the roster, like, yo, you should be paid as such, right? But yeah, I I also understand where this new regime was coming from as well. They're coming into something new. They have a lot of holes that they need to fill. And they've already showed that they're they weren't coming in handing out money to, to anybody. I mean, they they kind of made that clear. But I mean I and when you're a guy that you know is leading your team in tackles and, you know, Mr. All World, just doing everything. I mean, this dude, but any player that goes to SEC school, like Georgia, like, I know you're a baller, man. Like, yeah. as soon as they Bears got this, I'll be like, dude, this dude is a straight baller, man. But I, I also understand where Polls was coming from. He was like, yo, like, yes, we didn't draft you. We know what you're all about. We didn't draft you. We want you to show what you can do. And, and I think it is tough. And both you guys said everything that I was thinking. So I'm going to flip it a little bit. I really do think that in this system that, yeah, he could be like Shaq Leonard. He could find a way. Yeah. Everybody knocks Roquan on not making those those flash plays, they want to call it, here in Chicago all the time, the forced fumbles and all that stuff. I think with Alan Williams and and way that this hits philosophy is kind of taking – inside of that locker room on the defensive side of the ball, it's like a wave that's coming in the intensity, the way that you play, you run to the football. To me, that's what Roquan is all about. He's one of these guys that like my favorite rapper, Lil Wayne, one of his mixtape albums, he's got no ceiling. You know what I mean? When it comes to (laughs) how
2: good
1: good he could actually be. So if he can stay healthy, maybe this is an opportunity for him for them to go, yo, he's gonna bet on himself like he talked about. He's gonna play within the system, learn it, be play at the best of his ability, make those flash plays, and then guess what? Then it's undeniable. It's undeniable because a lot of people they talk about Shaq Leonard, they don't think that he it, he should be paid more than him, like in this yeah. with, playing in this defense. I get that. that. That's a that's a valuable argument, but this dude has no ceiling, so he could actually be that good and that's what i'm thinking he's going to stay healthy i believe he's going to blow the doors off this season and i think we're going to see him just playing football at first not saying much he's going to start feeling good about hopefully this relationship and they can mend this thing a little bit because he's playing so well and they're doing the things that they need to that he uh he's eventually going to get the money that he's hoping for
0: and i want to ask anybody who if you're enjoying the show so far please go into the comment section write sick Right there in the comments, let us know that you're having a good time with this conversation about the Bears. By the way, I will note that all three of us throughout the course of the Take It to the Ranks over the last couple of weeks, we've all nailed the Shaq Leonard thing. Not one of us has yes. been tripped up. We're so good. Like, I, I'm, I'm impressed. Like, I'm bringing you in. I'm like, yeah, like, we've all done it. We've all done really well. But that's the thing. I want to see it. Like, we'll see what Shaq Leonard does this year. He's great. He's going to go out there yeah. and do his thing. But I've been really impressed with the bears overall demeanor. I love the fact that they're getting their hands up, getting in the way of the quarterback. They're not they're not committing penalties. Regardless of how well everybody thinks they are, if they if they have enough talent to compete. I think the general the, the general uh the the play, like just the the crispness of the play just seems so much different than what we saw last
1: year. Yeah, man, cuz Matt Eberflus is holding cats accountable, man. <laughs> you can't. It's, this ain't the, this ain't the wild wild west no more, where you can run and do whatever you want to. And the vets getting this and that. Nah, nah, nah. The fact that your head coach is grading every single player after every single game, counting the loafs, this and that. Like you don't want to be that guy. And he set that temple from right at the beginning. People thought he was crazy. They thought he was crazy. I still remember, like listening to people talking I was like holy cow and I haven't had the pleasure yet because I'm always in studio to go out to to go in a training camp this year but I'm going to go to some practices but watching the film hold up just listen I, I can still do my listen I know I know listen I I'm gonna make it it's it's hard when your last show every single night ends at 11 o'clock so it's just it's just it's a long day so I, but I'm gonna make it happen but listen The fact is, is like I was watching all the film and the stuff that we put onto our air here at WGN, and you can see it from the defensive side of the ball. The ball was like at the 40-yard line, and next thing you know, the ball is hiking, and you see all the defensive players running to the back end of the end zone. And I was like, okay, okay, something's different here because – Man, the game is muscle memory. Like, that's how good players become good players. And I'm going to go back to the U just for a second to tell people this story because this is where I always think about stuff like this. Ed Reed, when he was in Baltimore early in his career, came back to Miami. had this nice penthouse overlooking Biscayne Bay, marble floors, huge TV. We went over to say what's up to him. about to go out that night. And I look and I go to turn on the TV and I'm like – and it's static and i'm like bro you thought you just got paid a couple mil dude you ain't got no cable or nothing? he said nah. and i looked to the side of the tv and it was all dvds and i walked up close and i started looking at him and it was cut downs of like uh, peyton manning of, of tom brady like by downs down in like third and long and what they were going to do he was like yeah i don't watch tv i just i watch film so because He can mentally in his mind know what's going to happen on third and eight and what those quarterbacks like to do so he can stop thinking about it. He already knows what they're going to do. He can vision it already so he can let his athleticism take over and go make plays. And that's one thing that made him so good. It's all about how many times you can do stuff, how many times you can see stuff and do it correctly, make some mistakes, uh, kind of manage those mistakes, get over those mistakes, and then do it over. And I was watching that. And you see it on the defensive side of the ball, especially in both preseason games. You see guys going out there making plays, running after the football. That when you're putting all hats on a football, that's when you create turnovers, you create fumbles, and you good things happen when you run to the football. So on the defensive side of the ball, it's evident that they can they have an opportunity to keep growing. Um, that defensive line has to. That's what you know. You don't win. You don't go to the playoffs, you don't win Super Bowls unless you can dominate on both sides of the line of scrimmage, on the offense and defensive line. So I want to see that nastiness from that offensive line as well this season. And so that's what gets me excited about a guy like Tevin Jenkins, because when you flip on, when you flip on his film from college, the, that, that he looks yeah. like a bouncer in Coral Gables throwing people out of Coconut Grove <laughs> at the Sandbar. <laughs> Get out of here! Like, I want to see him have that same control rage on the football field and prove mm-hmm. himself. Cause that young man, Hey, he's got talent. He truly has talent. It's just, there's so much noise going around on the outside of talking about, you know, what Adam Schefter's talking about and all this other stuff Yeah, that he's never had a real opportunity to really hone in and get an opportunity to play and watching him at right guard the other night, man, it's uh seems like a good fit for him there, man. Cause that's a, that's a position that I, I really think he could thrive at, and uh, to me it was fun watching him.
2: Yeah, real quick too, there was something that stuck with me from so I one of the Bears' assistants well, used to be at the Bucks, and so I caught up with him at practice one day when I was there, and I asked him I was like, how is Eberflus being received? How does the team like him? What's you know how what's his coaching style? Like I wanted to know what it was like. And he was like, man, you know what? He's like, these guys are just going to love playing for him because of the energy he brings and the accountability that he brings. But he's one of those guys that can get his players to rally around him and to play for him. And we even heard Al-Kadeen say it in the pressers afterwards where he was like, honestly, because he knew Iber as the defensive coordinator with the Colts too. And he's like, honestly, he's a little less intense as a head coach. <laughs> but he's like, the easiest way to piss him off is to not give yeah. effort and to not get to the ball on defense. And he's yeah, like, if I, you don't do those things, he will get on your ass and he will fire everyone else up around you. And I'm like, wow, I love hearing that. But he was all, all my friend, one of my friends could say was, or the Bears assistant could say was just, you know, that he's going to be that guy that is going to get the locker room to play for him. And yeah, I loved I, hearing that.
1: I had a, a conversation. I think it was, uh, was it Kenny Moore from um, yeah. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny Moore who played for him in Indianapolis. He was a, he was a Walter Payton man of the year award uh, nominee for the Colts. So I got a chance out in LA to really kind of hang out with him and talk with him at a couple events. And that's what he said, man. He was like, he was like, Jared, this dude is, he is no joke. Like you better not be giving up on plays. You will get called out in meetings. I was like, dang, man, like, Accountability, man. We we, we need that in chi Town, man. We like, yeah, we need that. And then, and then, same thing. Rank. We were at um, NFL Honors, and I'm backstage, and, yeah. and and I'm stand, I'm standing next to Commissioner Goodell, and we're about to walk out onto uh, out for the like with all of the nominees. And next to you, you know, Aaron Jones walks up, and he's like talking. He's got his shades on, and I just they were him and the commissioner were talking and I had to cut them off because we had like a minute. I was like, yo, uh, commish, I got to talk to him. I said, AJ, what's up, man? I'm Jared Payton. He's like, what's up, baby? What's up? I said, man, tell me something about Luke Getty. He was like, yeah, y'all going to love Getty, man. Like we, we miss him. We're going to miss him, but you guys are going to love him. I'm telling you a great offensive mind. And those are two dudes that I respect, man, like yeah. two dudes that I respect. So for me, that's why I felt good about where we're at right now with both of those two pickups and those two hires.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things. I, I ran into you that night at NFL Honors. I also <laughs> ran into a, a number of members of the Green Bay Packers who did not seem to be thrilled to uh, to be in my – one of the defensive players was kind of having a laugh with me because I was standing there with James Jones. So I get a little bit – I get a little shielded because yeah. uh, James is there with me. So it's like, okay, well, if James is hanging out with him, You can't – he can't truly be that awful, but I knew that the the eyebrows of uh, of that that little coat, the LeFleur's eyebrows just were furrowed every time I walked by. So it was it was actually a good feeling. But uh, I do want to get an opportunity to some of the fans. I know questions have been submitted. I'm well, sorry, Sammy. We're having too much fun, but I want to make sure the fans – we love hearing from the fans. Why don't we bring out a couple of questions? So, Sammy, what do we got? And uh, love Bears all. This is a question for Jared. How do you feel about the Bears moving – out of Soldier Field, I know you were young, but you must
1: have incredible memories of your dad playing there. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Wow, uh, man, I, man, I'm to be—I'm always honest, man. Like it is Please. what it is. I, yeah, I really—I love Soldier Field to death. I truly do. It's a—it's a—it has so much history, and yeah, saw a lot of unbelievable games there. Right, I saw. My dad break Jim Brown's record there. Um, I was there for – I mean, I've been there for multiple multiple playoff games. It's just crazy to think about. I, I had my wedding reception inside at Soldier Field, right? Um, listen to this. Hold up. Virginia McCaskey came to my wedding reception. They weren't – we were trying to take pictures outside, and they weren't going to turn it on because it was late, and they weren't going to turn on the lights. And Virginia McCaskey said – Turn on those lights, and they turned oh. them on so we could take pictures. She's oh. she is in my wedding photos. How great, <laughs> Mama Bear, dude! All right, I love yeah. that place, but I am also born and raised till I was four years old in Arlington Heights. Yeah, my dad ran the hill in Arlington. I was say that's where the hell is. Yeah, I went to high school at St. Viter High School in Arlington Heights. Both we three. have a lot of history in the AH. And knowing what that place looks like and the site of the track, man, I think it's inevitable that the Bears have to decide to make a move, man. I mean, when you you look at those four values that came out yesterday that we were talking on my show, 5.8 billion, you don't own your stadium. Um, You know, my dad always told me when I was growing up that, uh, man, don't be buying cars, buy a house, buy land buy a house and land son. So that's what I did because you own that man. And then you figure out what you want to do with that. And like, I think that's the, that's where the bears are. You like they're, they're renting right now. And I think that's, yeah. I think it's tough. And so if the bears decided that they were going to move to Arlington Heights, um, I'm all for it for them. I I'll watch them wherever they play. It doesn't matter to me, but if they told me that they were told the fans, like, listen, we're making the move. I would support them in making the move.
0: Yeah, you're 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 hurting Carmi V's feelings because I know she Carmi loves v. The, She loves I, the
1: waterfront. It,
0: everybody loves the waterfront. It's so so gotta, right.
1: It is, but let's look for the fans, though. I mean, yes, I've exactly. never, r- rarely do I go like you know in and hang out. I've never, I've only tailgated with like walking through the tailgate. I've never gone to a game tailgated and gone into a game. When I go to for work, I normally park and then and Lightning, go right up, past my dad's statue. What up, pops? Go inside, <laughs> and I'm right in. But for the fans, I always hear fans that go there, season ticket holders, that have a tough time with
2: you know, so tailgate
1: and having It is hard. hard. So when you're thinking about long term, that's that's what the game is for. It's for the fans that love to come, that put their blood, sweat, and tears in this organization every single day. And what's going to be best for them? What's going to be best for this organization long term? To me, that's what's most important.
2: Yeah, it came with the caveat, too, that, like, I was, the thing that was missing from that proposal that Lori Lightfoot put out was, like, I need more accessibility in and out of the stadium. I need something, like, I need another L stop. I need you to, you know, make a stop that's right outside Soldier Field so that you can, museum campus in general, there's so much over there, but it's still not incredibly easy to get to, even if you're already in the city. So I was like, if you did all those things, though, I would like to see it stay. Um, because it is so beautiful. It's such a historic venue, and I love just, I mean, like, it's awesome. Uh, but I get it, and also, like, I don't think that there's any merit to the Bears not actually playing in Chicago. There's plenty of teams that don't play in the city that they rep. Thank like, you. it's no big deal. The but...
0: champions don't do that. <laughs> they're, they're playing in Inglewood. It's the same. I know. I and know. If, you, if you go and you build a new train station from uh, from O'Hare to – Arlington Heights, the 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 orange and blue line, we'll call it. And it's yes, gonna start you off there with a huge complex where there's a Bears Hall of Fame. There's like four hotels, there's a restaurant, like, en- entertainment complex, and a stadium. <laughs> Nobody's gonna care. Nobody'll nobody will miss the no. lake. And I'll remember, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another one of my my dad's laments because he wanted he wanted the when they redid the stadium, he wanted a dome. And I'm like, what <laughs> about bear weather? He's like, he's like, let me tell you something about bear weather. It ended in 1988 when that soft ass 49ers team came in here, whooped us in the playoff. I'm like, okay, okay, now I got him started on another one of his stories. But uh sorry, Sammy. I know we've we've been we've been fast and loose with the language, but listen. Sorry. sorry. That was a quote. That was a quote I know. from my father. Again. Oh, <laughs> no, I said it. But uh, how about another question though, Sammy? I know we're not we didn't do a great job with the questions, but listen, we've had fun. This has been a good one. Uh, Rick Ruder. from what I've seen so far, it appears a lot of pass pro problems are due to the running backs missing blocks. Is this Justin not setting protection properly or just blown, bro- bro- blown blocks by the running backs? I know that's that Herbert was, was, yeah. that was difficult. Um, I saw Herbert whiff on one and yeah, I, that, I called that out, but what do you think? Is that part of it? Yeah,
1: he's, it, but we haven't seen David Montgomery. He's, he's a totally different being. That's, that's one of the things that I love about his game. Um, that he's gotten better at over time. Uh, Khalil Herbert, definitely, that's one of the things that he knows he's got to get better at, and that only comes with time and that comes with with more reps. And I think that that's tough. We, we, I think it's a combination of all that. It's it's the backs, it's the offensive line having communication issues as well, because we saw in that second preseason game in Seattle, there was times during that first drive where Justin was feeling a little bit of that pressure, and that's only going to get worse as you have more ones playing more time in games so yes you have to get better at pass protection i i don't worry about that with number 32 in the game i think he's pretty he's pretty, he's he's seen a lot so far and the way that he talks about the game he's 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 very bright when it comes to pass protection
2: and i yeah. wonder if
1: sammy Ebner can do sammy oh yeah evner i forgot about him too i mean Trustin he's 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 working, I mean, for him, I think the best opportunity is, is for him to, you know, be on special teams, do what he needs to do, get an opportunity here. We know how running backs can go down, right? It's one Mm -hmm. of those positions that's so tough. Reason why guys, you know, teams don't want to pay that position anymore. It's devalued, but you need good, you need three backs going into a season to make Mm -hmm. sure that you're, you're okay. And I think watching him, not only in the run game, but also in the passing game, Ebner reminds me his running style just a little bit. Like there's like a, one part of his step when I watch him that he's got some Matt Forte in him. Oh, thank you. Bit. Yes. Yeah. I've, a, I haven't
2: wanted to say it. Bit. I haven't I
1: wanted like to say it. say it. He does. Yep. He does. He does it's, it, you know? it's, it's, it's the way he goes through the hole sometimes with his hand, like the way that he, it's it's weird, but I see a little bit in there. So I, I kind of see what the Bears, what Ryan Poles sees in the young man. So hopefully, uh, you know, he'll get his opportunity.
0: There's a little bit of that glide in there. By the way, yeah. Again, let, let's switch it up a little bit. If you're enjoying this now, type in the word "sweetness" in the comments. By the way, let's plug Roots of Fight. I'm not. We're not. Neither one of us are wearing any of our Roots of Fight <laughs> gear. But by the way, they have one of the best collections of Walter Payton gear that you can find anywhere. I should have thought of this ahead of time. I apologize okay. to them. Um, and as I hit them up for gear all the time. But uh roots of fight, be sure to check it out. If you want some sick Bears jackets and things like that, or a pretty cool Bears jacket. Yeah. Walter Payton one. Wanted to give them a plug. I meant to have it with me. But I do want to see if we have time for one more question. I know you're you're at work and we're bothering you at work. I want to do one more question, though, because the fans have been great. Even uh even the usual suspects <laughs> who've come into the chat. Oh
1: man. Oh um, it would be so- interesting. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I don't know truly what his favorite food was. I mean, he loved, he, I mean, he loved eating steak. He loved, he loved all down like dishes. That's where he's from in Mississippi. But one thing that my dad truly, truly loved, my dad loved candy. My dad, (laughs) like sweetness was like the perfect nickname for him. And my dad's favorite candy was the banana Laffy Taffy. My mom, my, dad's favorite candy. My, my, my mom used to buy the big buckets at Sam's club and crazy story before we get out of here, because I love this story. It makes me think of him for years. He was, we would walk down our stairs to go where he would watch TV, his TV room. And he would take the wrappers as he was eating them for years. And he would throw them into this base that was like six foot high. So we could never see it. It was like huge. It
2: used to be oh, huge. No.
1: It was on a stand. And he would throw him in there, throw him in there. He used it as his garbage can. When my dad passed away, my mom was moving out of our house in Mudhank. We had to move that thing. We had to move the vase. And so we did. And we, me and my buddy CJ picked it up. And we started hearing the swishing around and stuff. I'm like, what is that? We put, pick it over up onto the, on, onto the carpet and move it over. And it was like thousands of oh rappers sitting in there. So my dad had a sweet tooth. And was sprayed in needles. And so he had a bunch of cavities Were eating all the candy. And I literally had to go with him to the dentist and hold his hand if they had to give him a shot because he was terrified.
2: Oh,
0: my God. That's right. I've heard yep. those
1: stories about the needles.
0: Oh, my Incredible. God. Incredible. The
2: as tough as he, as tough the, as the, as greatest. he like, the greatest. <laughs> needles are what doesn't.
1: <laughs> that's what it was. Dude, you guys are awesome, man. I appreciate you guys for having me, man. No, no, no. We so want to thank for you. Being
2: with us.
0: I know it's that uh, it's always an honor, and anytime I get to do your show as well, like it's always an honor to be in you in, in your presence and uh, be around you. And you've been a great ambassador, uh, great ambassador to, to your dad's legacy. And I know that millions of Chicago people around the world. What do we got here? One more? Um, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Samuel Payton McKendry. your dad. Yeah, I can't. I can't tell you enough how much. Uh, how much My Neil
2: daughter is named after your dad, by the way. I swear yeah. to you, right her daughter. All his, about. his name is Payton, right and it's like, yeah, there.
0: It's so incredible. Like I Crazy, work with man. so many people who like they, they get like, and it's funny because a lot of Chicago people like these kids that I work with. They're either Jordan or Payton, and it's not. And you're like, oh, but it's not. Like, oh no, little bit. They always shake their head. Like, no, it's a it's exactly what you think. It's Walter Payton yeah. or it's Michael Jordan or it's something like that. And it's one of the greatest legacies. And we appreciate everything you do. We appreciate you still being out there, being a part of the WGN family, going out there and uh, crushing it. And thank you so much for being here today. Take it to the
1: ring, baby. Take it to the ring. Let's go.
0: We'll do it again really soon, but go get ready for your show. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you in a hey. I'll, I'll see you on your show sometime.
1: Yeah, Thanks. we will. Hey, listen, I just want to say both of you guys, you both are amazing. Shouts out to all the Bears fans, all the ranked fans out there to watch the podcast. We appreciate you guys for doing what you do. We're all a family here when it comes to Chicago Bears. So, you know, any Bears fans, let's always come together, link up one another, get on each other's podcast. That's what it's all about. We're the greatest family and football. So just enjoy each other. And like we always say, bear down, baby. Let's go.
0: Bear down. Thank you so much, Jared. There he goes. The great Jared Payton. Always a, an honor and a privilege. I I still get and I know, you know, I still get a little emotional every time I think about it. Because I always think about my dad. And like, what would he think? Like, hey, I'm gonna be talking to Walter Payton's son. Kind of Oh, we're kind of friends. You know, like I, I saw him out in the wild at NFL Honors. And I thought, what well, walked up. <laughs> Didn't have to be like, my name's Adam. Good to meet you. know. This, right. You know, exactly. He walked up to me. It was crazy. But, I can't wait to uh, tell my
2: dad, quite honestly. My dad was from Philly, but he moved here for my mom in 84. So right before yeah. the Bears, you know, had the Super Bowl. But like he talks about how Walter Payton was part of the reason that he he converted to a Bears fan, like completely. Oh. After seeing that, you know, the, the city just kind of explode for that championship team and he just he talks about Walter Payton and I just remember that being I mean I was born after the fact but I there was there was Walter Payton there was we had a picture up in our house and like just like memorabilia my dad's a big memorabilia guy so like I was raised knowing exactly who Walter Payton was and how much he meant to this city to the team everything like that so I can't wait to tell my dad that I was just on with, with Jared I think he'll really appreciate that
0: no, it's 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 pretty amazing, and like he said, you know that that there is a, still a sense of family amongst the Bears fans, yeah. and I I like the I, I know that I I'm I'm always made fun of for this because I seem like a shill, but I love the McCaskey family too. I think like there's something about it. There's something about being owned by a family still, and yeah. having those roots. I hope that they, the you know, family, the, the NFL family, the, the NFL family. I think there's something very special about that, and I hate. Whenever people say sell the team or whatever, I'm an Angels fan too, as everybody knows, Artie Moreno looks like he's going to sell the Angels. Everybody's rejoicing. I would not feel that way. I hope the McCaskies uh, hold on to it forever. They go to Arlington Heights and build a legacy that you can't deny and all that good stuff. But let's, let me ask you real quick, before I let you, go, before we both go, okay. um, what are we looking forward to in week three? Are we expecting a lot of the starters to play? Are we going to see more Tevin Jenkins at right guard? What are you anticipating?
2: I would think that you would have more of the starters playing because I think that that's kind of just the way that with these three preseason games now, that's kind of the way that everything has evolved. Like I think before, because you didn't have the bye week, you know, to separate it that you wouldn't play starters in the fourth in the last game. But this I feel like is a ramp up. So you're going to probably see the most work from the starters this game. It is interesting to see Tevin Jenkins at that right guard spot. It seems like he's excelling on the interior there. Um, And I if, if that's where he fits like, yeah keep them there. And, and and we'll see. I I hope that they have the final offensive line iteration ready to go for this last game. But I guess we'll still see because I just think that you know the constant shuffling around just isn't doing anything to help the offense get its rhythm, get its cadence, get all that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping that th- that's what we see. We see something that's pretty solidified. We see the same five guys for maybe the first quarter, maybe into the second quarter. I don't know how long that the, these guys will end up playing, but I would anticipate that all the starters will get a lot more work.
0: That would be my hope as well. And I hope we get a chance to see some extended looks at some of those guys as they start to solidify those positions. And, of course, we'll be talking more about that on Thursday. Ill Will will be joining us. We're going to do a little Fantasy Island as well as we get you ready for week three of the preseason. And she is Carmi V on Twitter and on Instagram. And follow her. Make sure you download the Draft Network podcast and uh, listen to that even if you don't listen to it just subscribe <laughs> just, just subscribe. have a drop into your inbox
2: it and just like it rate it subscribe to like it, it, it cool. daily.
0: It's great. do all do all that cool stuff but uh carmen thanks so much for being here i thought this was a, this i swear to you like a lot of times i'll lie and be like it flew by legitimately flew by this was a fun night
2: it was it was awesome thank you so much for bringing jared on to that was it was so much fun
0: yeah All right. Well, it was a good time. Thanks so much for being here. And so, uh, you know what? Until next time, Bear Down and Sammy, go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.